All right, hey everybody, and welcome to Football Outsiders live stream the Shots and Tanier show with me, Aaron Shots, editor in chief of Football Outsiders, and Mike Tanier as always. And our special guest this week is Brian Knowles to help us break down week two in the NFL. Uh, it is September 15th, 2022. Uh, for those of you who've been watching our shows at 1 p.m. Eastern every day, you know I've been having some technical problems. We upped my internet. We upped my internet uh, upload speeds. So let's hope this works. Otherwise, I'm moving to another room in the house <laughs> to do the show today. Welcome to the world of working from home. So, hi, guys. Uh, let's talk a little bit first about our sponsor before we get into the week two games, Underdog Fantasy. Come play with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Now, you know NFL best ball season is over, but Underdog has other user-friendly game formats. First of all, there's NBA best ball yeah. if you're a basketball fan. Yeah. There's Battle Royale. It's a six-round best ball-style draft with simpler chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports sites. And there are Pick'em games where you can wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available, like Massachusetts. <laughs> Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. Join the fun at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in your favorite app store. And don't forget to use the promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. All right. I'm going to take the fact that neither of you has responded to mean that you can actually hear me and we're going to do this show correctly. <laughs> Chris, 100% got those week one jitters out of the way. <laughs> I am ready to rock, and I'm ready to rock with tonight's really big premiere of Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime, which is the Los Angeles Chargers at Kansas City, which may be like the, the best matchup in the NFL right now, uh, especially if you like offense, although we'll see about that. Um don't forget, uh, Coral Skipper points out to shout out the Football Outsiders Discord. Yes, if you have not joined the new Football Outsiders Discord server, please do. I would tell you what the URL is, except it's a bunch of scrambled letters and numbers that I don't know. But the link is on our site. And lastly, oh, it's in the description of the show. Absolutely, you should check the description of the show. Last week was a ton of fun with the writers and the readers talking about the games live in the Live Audible's channel. It's a lot of fun, the new Discord server. So definitely check it out. Yes, the URL is in the description of the show on YouTube. Want to welcome, by the way, once again, everybody watching live on YouTube and Twitch. Please feel free to ask us questions and make comments while you watch the show. And don't forget to A, like the show, B, subscribe to the show, and C, tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends who like intelligent football conversation that they should tune in every day, well, weekday, at 1 p.m. Eastern for various Football Outsider shows because we want as many smart football people commenting and watching our shows as possible. Okay, Chargers and Chiefs. Chiefs minus four. This is the number one offense of week one, Kansas City against the number three defense of week one, the Chargers. And by the way, I think in the preseason projections, they were ranked the same. I believe in the preseason projections, the Chiefs were the number one offense and the Chargers were the number three defense. So you're not going to hear a lot of one week DVOA numbers on this show because it's only one week. But, you know, there's one. An offense we expected to be really good was really good. A defense we expected to be much improved was much improved. Yep. And the injury report is slightly terrifying if you're trying to prognosticate this game. We have Keenan Allen out. We have Trent McDuffie, rookie cornerback, who I think played pretty well, the opener, and it's a thin uh, secondary, out on IR. You got Harrison Butker, the kicker for the Chiefs, also out. And they brought in a kicker whose name escapes me right now. So there's all so Matt Amendola used to be with the Jets. Oh, Matt Amendola. Matt Amendola got brought in. So that's a somewhat competent kicker, but not Butker. So as you start to prognosticate the game right off the bat, you have to like put all that into play. 
Yeah, I think the Keenan Allen loss is the biggest one. Yes. I mean, he's their number one receiver. Mike Williams is great, but Mike Williams is, you know, inconsistent from game to game and how they use him. And Keenan Allen is very steady. And we really like Josh Palmer as a prospect, but we like him as a prospect and he's not a, not a sure thing yet. I mean, this is a great, great showcase for him to see if he can live up to kind of uh, expectations, but uh, not there yet. Yeah. One of the things I was complaining about, especially on rewatch of that game is Chargers offense. I mean, we know Herbert, we know Eckler, we know Keenan Allen, especially in the second half of that game, the ball starts going to Trey McKitty and this ball starts going to Jalen Guyton. And so Sony gets into the game and doing things. And when you get to that next level of guys, it's not the same as the Chiefs. Oh, the next level of guys is Marquez Valdez, Scantling, or, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, Isaiah Pacheco is a prospect. So, yeah. So that's the problem with Allen out when everybody moves up a line. I think you lose that, 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 like, uh, that level of depth you would like for that, that offense. My interesting thing about this is, so for those who didn't see the remarkable Arizona-Kansas City game, Arizona blitzed the living hell out of Patrick Mahomes, which is something you never, ever do. Ever, ever, ever. And they did it anyway. So I went and looked, and I expected to look at last year's numbers and see that the Chargers were smarter than that. They're not necessarily smarter than that. <laughs> Last year, the Chargers blitzed Mahomes a surprising amount. In the second time these teams played each other, the Chargers blitzed Mahomes 19 times, including oh, wow. that they sent five on the Travis Kelsey game-winning touchdown in overtime. Oopsie. So now I'm like, are they going to blitz Mahomes in this game? And then Mahomes is going to go kind of nuts like are we really doing that again like i realized part of that i don't remember who said it. it it may have been chris brown who said on twitter that the biggest problem with arizona's defensive game plan is that it was based on the idea that isaiah simmons is derwin james and he's yeah. not. and in this game derwin james is derwin james yeah. i still would not blitz patrick mahomes no, I, I would make Mahomes beat me in coverage, and he probably will, but I think you, you have a better chance to for that to happen than try, trying to get him pressure because that's all we, that's what he does. He, he improvises uh, under pressure. Everything goes goes perfectly fine when he's under pressure. He looked like an MVP uh, uh, in week one. He always looks like an MVP, but he looked even more so. Yeah, five touchdown passes, 300 yards, no interceptions. That's only been done by three other guys in week one. And all those three guys went on to an MVP. It's 84 Marino, it's 2013 Manning, and it's 2019 Jackson. I mean, I, I could not begin to explain Arizona's game plan. It made no sense. No, but no. I don't think you're going to see that kind of blitzing because we saw Boza and Mack and what they're capable of. So you yeah. can rush four when they're two. Did see some judicious – I saw some Darwin James blitzes as a wrinkle. You can probably do some of that stuff along the way. But they're going to – yeah, the Cardinals don't have that. The Cardinals do not have Bosa and Mack. They've got whoever and whoever. Goal right, and the Chargers last year did not have Bosa. And right. Last year, the Chargers had Bosa and Nuosu. Yeah. So it yeah. was not – you can see where they would blitz a little bit more last year than they will this year. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another interesting storyline in this game, I think a lot of people talk about Derwin James and how well – he covers Travis Kelsey. I will point out, Travis Kelsey had 104 yards in the first game between these teams last year with Derwin James covering him. Right. The second game, famously, he had a couple of catches and then James got hurt and then Kelsey went completely ham with 191. But he had a couple of catches early on when people other than Derwin James were covering him. So Derwin James is not going to be covering Kelsey on every play. And the way that they built the offense around Kelsey in the first week, which Derek Klassen pointed out in the film room, yes, like yes. it absolutely, you're you're going to get plenty of Kelsey. I don't think Derwin James is shutting Kelsey down. And even if he does, we saw that Devontae Adams was able to go off. There is no J.C. Jackson. There's no Tyreek Hill either, but there are a slate of wide receivers, and there's going to be matchup opportunities for the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean that that was the big pro that was a big difference between the Chiefs and other teams who lost top receivers. The Chiefs have just so many secondary options and they have a quarterback who's just brilliant at finding finding the matchups. You could you could afford to lose a superstar when you have a bunch of solid role players everywhere. Yeah. Right. They added good role players to replace the role players that they lost too, right? Like they lost Robinson and they lost Pringle. And I'm 
I can't even remember what team Robinson's on now. He was already cut Ravens. in the preseason, and then Ravens. He had a couple he's of catches. On Ravens now. Yeah, and uh, we'll be getting to them in a little bit. And um, you know, they brought in Valdez Scantling and and um, Juju Smith Schuster, and I think Sky Moore. People are a little overexcited, but Sky Moore may have been my winner of your preseason overhype. Like they thought, they thought of all the guys in Kansas City. People thought Sky Moore was going to be the number one receiver this year. Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, he's no George Pickens, who had one target for three yards. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think Moore also had one, like one catch. And yeah, it was thirty yard catch though, and he's but he's not. Yeah, you're, what you're saying, he's like the number five option, the return man. Right. Yeah, like you know, get get back to me near the end of the year and let's see where he is, but not right. the first week of the season. You know, people acted like this second round pick was going to come in and be Randy Moss for crying out loud. It's not freaking going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so you're so salty about Sky Moore. <laughs> uh, also, it's going to be interesting to watch the Amazon Prime thing tonight. Uh, I am going to say. Right now, I am not expecting to enjoy Kirk Herbstreet. No. And I mean nothing against Kirk, but he just feels like a college guy to me. And the one time he did an NFL game, I wasn't into it. Okay. I mean, Al Michaels is the professional of all professionals, but I'm just, you know, I think they could have done better as far as getting an an NFL-focused color commentator. No no disrespect on Herbstreet, who knows college football very well. But he just he's always been a college guy. And I just can't see him breaking down film in between plays quite like a Lewis Riddick or a Collinsworth. Who's the color guy? That he's the color guy, Herb Street. Oh gosh. It's Al Michaels and Herb Street. That's the partnership. Okay. Well, I don't pay attention to the commentators anyway. Hang <laughs> <laughs> on this You have the secondary, they have a secondary commentary with um, oh my God, why am I blanking? Is it uh, uh, the uh, Hannah Storm and them? Is it yes, the, Hannah Storm and, 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 and I know her. I, I know I'm her. blanking. I, did, Woman, the NFL for a long time. I have the worst memory, honest to God. But, Brian, uh, help us. We're having senior moments. You, you think I'm any younger than you guys? Wait a little bit, but the, 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 I have no idea. I let me watch that instead. Okay. Even so though I can't remember who it is right this, now. This is turning into a microaggression. Let's move on. Let's get the pick. This is fine. Yes. We, so, we don't mean it in that way. And I'm Chief, sorry. Chiefs, yeah, I'm just I'm terrible with Nate. I I can't remember which NFL guys are partnered together on Sundays either, honestly. Um and, and Chargers and uh so Chargers, the Chiefs are favored by four right now. It's moved around a little bit. It was two and a half, it's gone up to four. Um, it's four and a half sometimes. It's uh, Joey sucks asked if it's Carissa Thompson. It's not Carissa Thompson. It's Andrea Kramer. Andrea Kramer. Andrea Kramer. That's right. I'm like, it starts with an A, but it's not Angela. It's Andrea Kramer. Yes. This is horrible. This is horrible. I know. We seem so sexist, but I mean, uh, you tell me who is Greg Olson's partner right now on Fox's number one team? Is it Kevin Burkhart? I don't think it is. We have I'm, no idea. I'm Kevin Burkhart. I'm going to take, take the field against Kevin Burkhart for that one. Right. Males or females, we have, we have no idea who's on who's on a lot of these commentary teams. Uh, so, yeah, Chiefs minus four, and the line, the over-under line is 54. How are you guys feeling about this one? I was happy with the Chiefs when it was minus 2.5. It was minus 2.5. Now it's up to four. That's that's a tougher call. I think I'd still, I'm still going to take the Chiefs because I just don't like betting against the offense we saw last week. And as you said, the Chargers did blitz plenty last year, and that's not a great plan. But I was a lot happier when I was getting the field goal odds than when I was getting, getting plus four. Yeah. Keenan Allen, that helps move that line, obviously, yeah. a little bit. And that, and that has me still leaning Chiefs without Keenan Allen involved. My play for this, you mentioned the over-under 54. I've played the first half under 27. I'm going first half under 27. I believe in the under. I think these teams might be feeling each other out a little bit along the way. And I want to be insulated against, oh, it's a close game in the fourth quarter and Herbert and Mahomes go ham in the fourth quarter and they blast or goes overtime. They blast past the over kicking field goals at each other or whatever happens. So get that 27 under. I could clearly see that getting a nice win and then I'm just going to watch a game. 
I like that pick a lot. The new over-under formula, my beta over-under formula, has this as the strongest game of the week as under 54. But I really like the idea of going under in the first half with the idea that there may be more scoring in the second half as the teams have to, like, you know, try harder to win knowing that it's a close game late. So I really like that under 27 in the first half. It's really tough. The, the FO plus picks are going with the Chiefs because of Keenan Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards what I've seen a number of people say on Twitter, which is any line over three with either of these quarterbacks. Yeah. Right. Like these quarterbacks are so good. You don't want to give either of them more than three points. So I think I would lean towards Chargers plus four, even without Keenan Allen because of that. And that's not meant to be a diss on the Chiefs at all. Right. I mean, I can see what you're saying. I just, that's why I'm just backing off of it, doing the, doing the first half under, and that's all. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Sunday. And let's start with Tampa Bay at New Orleans. This is the most important game in our simulations for the odds of making the Super Bowl. New Orleans goes to the Super Bowl 15% of the time if they win this game and 8% if they lose. Tampa Bay, 26% of the time if they win this game and 15% if they lose. And uh, before I get to talking about Marshawn Lattimore, Mike, Go off on Jameis Winston and how awful you think he was in week one. Go ahead. He was awful. He, I think he was – DVOA said he was awful for three quarters. Yes. For three quarters. He was – I forget. They had like minus two yards passing at halftime because the sacks uh, negated the few short passes he threw. And it didn't get much better in the third quarter. And there were all kind of plays. He tried to throw that ball away a couple of times. Uh, you know, he threw one going down and it ended up as a fumble. He threw one into double coverage and it kind of glanced off hands. And then the fourth quarter happens, and Saints Saints fans don't want to hear this, but you know when the Fal- Falcons in the fourth quarter, it's it's like I don't even know what to describe it. You know, we all know it's the Falcons in the fourth quarter. They stopped, they stopped, and every time I turned around, there was a twenty-five yard wide open pass play to Olave or Thomas. So it was like Jameis Winston's career in a little, like bite-sized container there, and it's hard to take that and predict moving forward. Oh well. He solved his problems in the fourth quarter, and now we can launch forward because it's about to get a little harder this week. I will say it was, it was nice to see Michael Thomas out there actually healthy. I mean, we were kind yeah. of, you know, we've been waiting for like a year and a half to see if Thomas could actually play an NFL game. And it, 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 I love that, yeah, he's, he was good. He was out there. He looked really good, especially in the fourth quarter. Yes. Uh, so it, I was expecting him to be the injury questions all year, but now it's Winston who was limited in practice on Wednesday with, with, the, back, with the back stuff that he had to briefly come out of the game for. Yes. Uh, but on that side, that's one thing. But on the other side, the Brazilian mafia has gotten the Tampa Braves receiver core yes. and five receivers are on the injury report for various uh, levels. And we don't know quite the severity of them. Some of them like Mike Evans looked a little more like a uh, veteran day type of thing. But the only one we know is Godwin. Godwin is not playing this week. Godwin is not playing, but there's a Godwin lot of is not. it would it would be a real unlikely for Godwin to play like a one percent chance of him playing. The other nice. guys, I think, are all going to play. Right. They aren't listed as DNP veteran day or rest day. They're listed. So it's worth keeping an eye on. Um, Now, I mean, I should bring up, I wanted to say Marshawn Lattimore's history with Mike Evans, as we all know, New Orleans defense has shut down Tampa Bay over the last two years, especially Lattimore. These are Evans's yardages in the last five games against New Orleans over the last two years. One playoff game is included. Two. 64, 3, 48, and 14. What are those? And for, for Mike Evans, the only one of those numbers that's even passable was the game with 64 yards. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So it, definitely, if Lattimore is shutting Evans down, you're going to need to see Julio Jones looked really refreshed last year, last week. Like the difference between Ro- Allen Robinson in week one compared to last year and Julio Jones in week one compared yes. to last year. Like Julio Jones looked like we could forget last year. Uh, Russell Gage is going to need to have a big game. Brashad Perriman's going to need to ha- make a couple of catches. And I think those guys can do it, but they're going to have to do it because Lattimore just has a really great record against Mike Evans. And the Saints secondary was the one part of the team that looked good pretty much throughout uh, the uh, the game against the Falcons. Some of that's because yeah. they're playing the Falcons, but but they did look very good throughout the offense. You mentioned the offense struggles. 
the defense only got, th- I think, three pressures on the on the Falcons, which was the most civ-like offensive line in the league last season. And they let Patterson run all over them. Yeah. It was so much misdirection, so much boot action, uh, every little variety of, of rollout concept, not shovel passes, but things like that. So anything they could do to like get Mariota comfortable. And it worked. It, it got them to field goal range over and over again. But you're right, the secondary was able to shut down uh, Drake London and whoever else and, and Kyle Pitts. But uh, it's a very different kind of offense. They're facing pretty much the opposite offense this week. No, it's – I mean – you know, th- there's a reason why Tampa Bay is Super Bowl favorites in the NFC, right? I mean, like even without Chris Godwin, this team is stacked on both sides of the ball. I mean, the Saints were uh, the number one team in week one. I said I wasn't going to do a lot of week one numbers. Right. Number one in run DVOA in week one. A lot of that was uh, Taysom Hill. Tampa Bay historically has a very good run defense over the last couple of years. So Vita Vea is still there, right? So... Uh, I don't know if the Saints are going to be able to run like that. So, it's, you know, the Tampa Bay is a really good overall team. Tampa Bay was one of only three defenses in the NFC to be above average last week, and the other two were playing in the monsoon in Chicago. So they're, they're, the, they're basically the one defense in the NFC who had a terrible week, who st- who, who uh, came off well in, in week one. By the way, you mentioned uh, Evans and his struggles. I was looking for props. No props right now listed for the Buccaneers receivers because of that injury report. But you might, if you're interested in going under, I'm sure the number will be uh, attempting if they ever get it up there. Yeah. I, um, so the saints it's saints plus two and a half. And then the over under is 44. Buccaneers, 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 Buccaneers. I am a little bit concerned that the Buccaneers had to settle for so many field goals against the Cowboys team that was kind of running into themselves all night uh, uh, on Sunday. Yes. Uh, so that that leads me more towards the under than than picking a Saints upset or anything. But I, I have a, li- a few concerns considering that they they did seem to be stopping themselves at points early on. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of going with the don't put too much stock in week one yeah. idea. Okay. Based right. on what we thought of these teams going into the season, we really liked New Orleans. The fact that they're at home, I would say Saints plus two and a half. They do have this great historical record over the Buccaneers over the, you know, the last couple of years. As good as the Buccaneers are, we did think the Saints were really good. Obviously, Winston, we thought in the preseason, was a lot better than what he certainly looked like for three quarters in week one, but I'm trying not to overestimate the importance of week one. So I, I would lean towards the Saints plus two and a half, but I would feel a lot better about it if it was Saints plus three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also say the over-under formula likes the over 44 in this game. I know you said, Brian, you're worried a little bit about the Bucks settling for so many field goals, but part of it is because this game is indoors. Mm-hmm. That and low. That's 44 is low, too. Right. Part of it is the 44 is low. The Bucks offense is still the best in the NFC. I mean, our numbers think that they're the best in the NFC. So our numbers like the over on this game, even even without Godwin. But please check the Winston injury reports before yes. you yes. run to your sports. Well, I mean, you'll, you'll know if Winston is hurt because this line will not be Saints plus two and a half if Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback. Taysom, Taysom. No, it's, I, see, I believe uh, Dennis Allen. I believe Dennis Allen when he said we're not, they're not messing around with Taysom anymore. Okay, they didn't mean they're not messing around with Taysom Hill as Wildcat quarterback. Right. What they meant was they're not messing around with Taysom Hill as starting quarterback. Andy Dalton is the backup. Taysom Hill is there for emergencies and Wildcat. He's not going to play regular quarterback. One can only hope. <laughs> I believe that Dennis Allen. I believe, I believe in Dennis Allen. <laughs> I, you know, they're paying him way too much money to for that job, but they mm-hmm. were paying him too much money to be backup quarterback too. So that's fine. There you go. Uh, Miami at Baltimore. Uh, that's another one p.m. game, I believe. Yes. Uh, Miami is interesting. I've read a few people, and, you know, thinking about it, having watched Miami and New England, 
Miami did not look that great. No. They had a couple of really big plays mm-hmm. and a couple of really big Patriots mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right. But a lot of that game was built, built on one sack fumble when Trent Brown did not adjust to his left. And that fourth and seven to Waddle where Kyle Duggar missed a tackle. Yes. And otherwise, like Miami, their defense looked better than I than our projections thought it would be. You know, I don't know how much it's Miami's defense looked better versus the Patriots offense is completely discombobulated. We'll find out more in the next few weeks. But um I don't think Miami looked spectacular, and I still think the Ravens are what we thought they were going into the season, which is, when healthy, one of the best teams in the NFL. The Ravens were interesting. They had uh, only 63 yards on the ground, which is the fewest they've had in any game started by Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the fewest rushing attempts in any Ravens win under Jackson. They've had more games where they've had to throw because they've been down by 20 or whatever, but yeah, it's it's weird because and Jackson looked really good as a passer, honestly. I mean, yeah. you know that's always the, the you know, always the, the question of Jackson: Can he pass on time? Can he hit outside the numbers? He looked really good last week. I mean, it's against the Jets, so take it with you know several <laughs> large heapings of salt. But I found it very interesting that we didn't get just running down the throat, running down the throat, running down the throat like we see with Baltimore so often. Maybe some of that was J.K. Dobbins being out, but that's never been, that's never stopped them before. Yeah, they they would look very conventional. They were kind of in the eye formation. They were doing seven-step drop play action. Lamar in the pocket, throwing deep. Uh, it was a rainy day. It was a slick surface. It wasn't the, the Bears, but it was a slick surface. And Jackson came into his own later in the game. A lot of the, the, the good passes you see were a little later. It was, it was flat starting out. So I don't know if they're switching to a more conventional mode or they said, this is the Jets. We don't have to unveil everything for week one or it's a slick surface or whatever. But, yeah, it was a different approach than what we're used to. And, yeah, Latavius – was it Lata- not Latavius Murray? It's Justice Hill and uh, who's the other? Oh, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake and uh, Mike Mike Davis is and there. Mike now. Davis. I didn't see much of him. It was slip and no. slide for Drake. Drake did not look like he had his footing at all. Hill is a is a plotter. So yeah, there there wasn't a lot of that on that end. But going back to what you said, Aaron, it, it was it was the fourth and seven. It was the splash play, and then late in the game they were able to control the clock. I think later in the fourth quarter, and that was probably the most impressive thing about the Dolphins' offense, but the Dolphins' offensive line looked horrible for the first half of that game and really into three quarters, I thought. Yeah, the, definitely the the guys who've been switched to new positions who aren't Teron Armstead looked like last year when they were not good. And Armstead's on the injury report with – this is my favorite. It was rest day slash toe. Well, is that a rest day or a toe, right? Right. Just nothing is toe. The rest of it was ready to go, but his toe needed a little rest. <laughs> his toe needed rest. I will say this is the game last year where the Dolphins surprised everyone by whipping Miami and they blitzed the ever-living hell out of Lamar Jackson in that game. And that was the start of everybody blitzed Lamar Jackson all the time. Right. So right. I went to ESPN's database for ESPN Stats and Info and I looked at the first game of the season. The Jets only blitzed Lamar Jackson five times all game. And he was two two for four with a scramble and an Isaiah likely drop. I remember. So I'm like, I don't know how much we learned about Lamar Jackson from that first game because Miami is going to do something completely different. I'm guessing they are going to blitz and blitz and blitz some more in this game. Right. And again, I don't know how many opportunities to blitz the Jets had when you're running the, they're ahead of the sticks a little bit more in that game. And again, I right when you're behind 24 seven, Right. The, right. The Ravens are running out the clock. How many right. opportunities you have, but still like only five is like in the first quarter alone, there should have been more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it'd also be interesting to see Xavier Howard on Bateman. Bateman had 80 yards in that game last year, but that was with Byron Jones covering, covering him, not Howard. And I think that against Miami, the, the rule is go against Everybody but Xavier Howard go against Igbenene. I mean, the Patriots like threw to Devontae Parker like once or something. Like Howard shut him down. Because he's Devontae Parker and it's not minicamp anymore. And he's not about turning into a pumpkin. That's what he does every year. It's it's hard to tell. I mean, I guess Bateman's the number one receiver. Like I said, Robinson had a couple of catches in that game. And 
I, can't, I get them per, uh, confused. Was DuVernay or Proch who had the two touchdowns? It was DuVernay. I think it's DuVernay. DuVernay, because they showed a clip. This was hilarious. There was a clip on Twitter of Calais Campbell saying he has DuVernay on his fantasy bench and didn't start him. <laughs> Which, I mean, if I was running a fantasy league for an NFL team, I would make it a rule that you can't have teammates on your team. Right. That seems like a conflict of interest, but I guess – Calais Campbell has no say over the offense, so it's not really a conflict of interest. <laughs> Useful title points out in the chat that he also had Devin Duvernay on his bench. But, I mean, who expected Devin Duvernay to score two touchdowns last week? Nobody expected that. No, no. Um, Ravens minus three and a half with an over-under of 44.5. What are you thinking about this? Ravens, Ravens, Ravens. Yeah, I'm I'm with Mike on this one. I I think the Ravens, the Ravens looked just so much better than Miami did. I know Miami's going to throw different looks at them and whatnot, but Baltimore looked like one of the top three teams in the conference. Miami looked like they took advantage of like the the, the big swings. Absolutely, don't get me wrong, but Baltimore looked like they were creating big swings. Yeah, I'm going with you guys. That's three of us. Part of it is. I've got to think that Baltimore spent the offseason figuring out how to deal with the blitz with Lamar Jackson. Yes. yes. Like they know that's coming with everybody. Yeah. And they know it's coming with Miami. And they had to have done something to figure it out. Like it can't be as bad as it was last year. Um, Arizona at Las Vegas. So this is the 4 4 p.m. So the national game for most of the country is actually going to be Cowboys-Bengals, which (laughs) looked a lot better last week. Yes. That looked like a much better – but a lot of the West Coast is getting Arizona at Las Vegas. And let's be honest, Arizona at Las Vegas is a more important game. Uh, And the Cardinals looked like hot garbage in week one. And the Raiders did not look – the Raiders looked better – by score than they did by DVOA. Like DVOA, they threw three picks and they had three fumbles, which they all recovered themselves. But like DVOA really thought the Chargers outplayed them, Uh, but not as much as the Cardinals got outplayed. Like the Cardinals got slaughtered. I was worried before the season started that the Cardinals had dumpster fire potential. Like, like, like there's if all the ifs fell through, that they could be absolutely horrible. And in week one, all the ifs fell through, and they looked absolutely horrible. They looked horrible strategically, as I already mentioned briefly in, in the Chiefs section, and but also just on offense, they couldn't get anything going. They 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 looked discombobulated from play to play. They couldn't string. The offense didn't. They looked like they were pulling plays out of a hat. It didn't look like they had any kind of philosophy on what the heck they wanted to do. And the few times they did, there were drops, there were blown blown uh, blocks. Were, it looked it looked like a nightmare. It looked like a rebuilding team, not a team that made the playoffs last year. And they still botched snaps. They still botched snaps. I was like four plays in, there was a botch snap. Like this is still the problem. This yeah. is still from vintage Cliff Kingsbury with that attention to detail. But you're right, out of the hat. Like I, my impression I got was this is the most horizontal offense I've ever seen. And uh, the new commander's offense is pretty horizontal, but then Samuel, you know, makes breaks a tackle and goes on. This is horizontal, and everybody's coming in way, uh, to, to, to hit them. Um, I think they can straighten some of these problems out. I think some of that was. Uh, you know, my theory right now is that if you completely rest all of your starters in the preseason, that you're going to get a game like that, or at least a first half like that. And I think they'll start to figure it out. But you're right. They have dumpster fire potential still. And the, and the Raiders, you're right. The, the Raiders were kind of like what you would think the meme version of the Raiders. Devontae Adams is good. Max Crosby is good. Our offensive line is we're just kind of grabbing guys here who aren't Colton Miller and trying to figure things out. And that's like the rest of our team. Yeah, weren't they rotating offensive linemen during a lot of the game, yeah. like bringing guys in and out and other than Colton Miller? Something like I, I couldn't make sense of it. And I didn't go back and check it. But i like, wait, that's different dudes getting no. uh, beaten badly by Cleo Mack. Uh, CCX3 points out the Cardinals are like Schrodinger's fan franchise in which they always look like they are both elite and have dumpster fire potential and end up delivering on both. Yep. Looks like so, somebody assembled a Madden team. They're like, let's throw a Madden team together. I've heard of that guy. I've heard of that guy. Oh, let's have six slot weapons. And then you have to yeah, try to put them it, on the field. It's fun because doing these early uh, uh, game previews, you end up looking a lot at last year's stats, and you have to remind yourself of the stats that are not likely to carry over. Arizona was number three in DVOA last year against number one receivers. We have no idea how they did that because they do not have a top cornerback. 
They will not do that this year, and I'm not afraid to throw plenty to Devontae Adams. But if the if the Raiders pick on Isaiah Simmons the way the Chiefs did, I wonder, will he be covering Waller or will he be covering Renfro? He should be covering running backs. He should be covering neither of them. He should be covering Foster Moreau. I don't understand this. I mean, I think part of what's going on with Arizona is they spent high draft picks on two inside linebackers, neither of whom has yet lived up to the draft position. Yes. And then from Zayvon Collins. And they could be one of those organizations where the GM says, this guy is going to work, so he's going to work. And Kingsbury says, okay, my check cleared. Go ahead, Steve. I'll throw him out there some more. No problem. I'll go to the beach. Goodbye. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I think it's Raiders minus five and a half. I think I kind of would go with Arizona under the idea of don't put too much stock into week one. But uh, I will say like the FO plus picks on this one are like very close to the actual line. Well, it really says just don't bet on this game. Well, my 12 million star lock of the week, which did not work out last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I thought that the... Uh, Patriots are covering. My bad. My lock of the week this week is Cardinals straight up money line. I'm not as uh, worried as I don't don't put too much stock in week one. They probably came out like flatter than they could have been. And I'm taking it with the money line because I, I don't I don't necessarily want the points. I think they're going to win it straight out. So I got it at plus 200. It was plus 215 when I put my notes together. It's currently at plus 200. That's when I played it. So we're keeping track. I'm minus 100. I'm in, I'm in the hole right now. Plus 200 Cardinals money line. Thank it. I am worried that the horizontalness you, you described yeah. is not week one rust, but it is we don't have DeAndre Hopkins and we have no idea what to do. Uh, <laughs> so with that in mind, I actually I'm 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 taking the Raiders and giving the points on this one. I I I still sniff absolute disaster for Arizona. I don't I I did not like them in preseason. I did not like all the drama that was going on there. And in week one, pretty much everything we said could go wrong did go wrong. It, it's not like it was a bunch of random things that no one was expecting. You look at the almanac; ev- like everything we listed as a potential problem was a problem. So I'm I'm going with the Raiders right now and hoping that week one wasn't just an aberration for Arizona, but is the beginning of a trend. I. I think I'm leaning Cardinals, but because it's five and a half. But I definitely see what you're saying on that. It's it's um, it's it's. <laughs> hey, Checkers Pie asks: Is there a Call of Duty double XP event, event yeah. this weekend? Is there? I have no idea. I don't follow the Call of Duty schedule, so it's I don't know. But Kyler line. Murray follows it. <laughs> yeah, it's baked into the line, probably. So. <laughs> all right uh let's go to sunday night and um oh my god we're being subjected to chicago in prime time again chicago at green bay now this is the shocker this is the most important game of the week for playoff odds yeah green bay 62 percent with a win 35 percent with a loss chicago 58 percent with a win what 32 percent with a loss they what? would be two and oh the most important thing is not how good you are, it's how many wins you've banked. And to start 2-0 and gives you good play. I mean, if you start 2-0 and and the best team in your division starts 0-2, you're in a good place. And if the Packers drop games to the Vikings and Bears back-to-back, are they the best team in their division? That's that's the other aspect here. So going going a two game hole in your division through two weeks is a terrible spot to be in. I get that with the two and zero, oh, but the one and one you said even with a loss they're at thirty eight percent or something. Thirty eight percent. Thirty two. Thirty. Chicago's at thirty two percent with a loss. That is stunning. You, that now you was, walked it through me before, but walk it through me. Walk me through it again. Our projections had Chicago higher than other. You know, yeah. people expect in particular their defense. We had their defense rebounding. I mean, I picked Chicago in the subjective projections. I picked them as my team that was most likely to underperform. So I, I, I feel like we had Chicago too high. But the numbers say if they're one and one, they're at 32 percent to make the playoffs. And again, don't forget, also seven teams make the playoffs now. That's not 32 percent to win the division. That's 32 percent right, to make right. the playoffs. Right. And they've got the Giants coming up. They've got the. Who else they have coming up? Somebody else that's very beatable. So uh, the Texans. So even with a loss, they could come in at about three and one. (laughs) The Bears could be three and one through four games. I I am feeling Packer uh, revenge game. I'm feeling Packer. Aaron Rodgers says relax in this game. 
Like I yeah. feel like the Packers will come out and show us that um, that don't take week one too seriously, just like last year, and that they're still really good, even if we don't quite know exactly who Aaron Rodgers is throwing to. And I don't know whether Alan Lazard will be back, but um, in fact, let's look up whether Alan Lazard, Lazard practiced. Lazard and the tackles practiced. Bakhtiari, Elkin Jenkins, Lazard practiced on Wednesday. So I'm going to – that's pretty big, especially yeah. when you're trying to lay 10 points. Yeah. And we all knew it was going to take a little bit of time for Rodgers and the new receivers to click. More than perhaps any of the other like really elite top quarterbacks, Rodgers really depends on this chemistry with his receivers. He, he and Adams had this almost like mind-reading thing going on there. Whenever problems happened, you throw it to Adams. He knew exactly where it was going to be. He doesn't have that yet with the receivers. And I, that's what I saw when I watched Green Bay again uh, this week. But he, he looked unusually indecisive. He looked unu- he was unusually delaying things because he just didn't have that. He didn't have that trust yet that you know Romeo Dobbs is going to be somewhere where he needs him to be. That, that's just going to take some time. And it's pre- the Chicago defense is a pretty good defense to get healthy against. I think uh, all things considered, especially now that you got your tackles back. If they're not as good as yeah. our projection think they are, certainly. Exactly. Uh, Brian, you watched the Muckle. I mean, is there anything you can take away about the Bears? Um, yeah, a, l- a little bit. Because the, the first three quarters were the, – the field the, the field quality was terrible throughout, but the first three quarters weren't under a hu- the, the massive downpour that became in the fourth quarter. Like, right. I would fill the fourth quarter out entirely. In the first three quarters, uh, Justin Fields had a VOA of negative 75% as a passer. I believe he completed, like, two passes. Just for contrast, Trey Lance, who was terrible in the fourth quarter, had a VOA of 2%. Uh, so the conditions – Fields was much, much worse in the same conditions than the 49ers offense was. In the fourth quarter, he uh, there were some blown coverages, and and to his credit, uh, Fields got, got open, got scrambled in the backfield, avoided pressure, and found those open guys, which is a very good step for him. But he looked terrible for the first half. Uh, he did not look improved at all from his from his rookie season, and that would be that would be terrifying to me if I was a Bears fan right now. The completions I saw in the early game from Fields was like like one hopping out of bounds, throwing mm-hmm. it like this. It was like very playgroundy stuff, which is fun to watch, but not necessarily. Yeah. Oh, this is a good sign. It's not predictive. That's the thing. Like like he like he yeah he he had his most success early on when everything was disaster and he was able to freelance a little bit and like get around the edge and just make make things up as he was going along. It wasn't predictive. That's something you really can build on. You know, Chicago won that game because the Knights committed 12 penalties and they had to try to do a comeback in, in you know, middle of Lake Ditka. So I am very, <laughs> very doubtful that they're going to be able to, to give Green Bay a real challenge on Sunday night. I'm not really <laughs> this matchup. Oh, no. That's not what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Aaron, I have to... your problem with me? Yes. Aaron, we may have to may have to rage quit and come back in his other place. It was a good rage. Right. I'm going to let the two of you talk. You guys can talk fun Chicago Green Day props. I'll be right back. All right. All right. I got a I got a prop here, Brian, to run past you. Because, well, first of all, what do you think, Brian, of uh, minus 10 laying it on the uh, Packers or picking the uh, Bears and the points? I I don't like laying 10 points. It's just as a general rule because there are so many things that can happen at the end of the game. Like maybe you'll sit on the ball because you have a big lead or whatnot. But I mean, I'm not taking Chicago plus 10. No, no, no way in heck. So I, I will, I will take Green Bay and unfortunately the 10 points. Uh, I, I, it's not a line I love because I don't like double digit lines, but I, I don't let, see Chicago covering it. Let me throw this prop at you then. All let right. Pull it up here. Okay. Green Bay to win straight up and Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Combined, two hundred scrimmage yards. Ooh. Two running backs combined, two hundred scrimmage yards. So you get their receptions, all that screen game stuff, and any fourth quarter run out the clock stuff, and a straight up win. And here's your here's your money line on that plus two seventy five. I like it because I can see the story. I can see that you know uh, Rogers doesn't trust the receivers, so he relies more on on screens and and uh, little flats to his running backs. Mm-hmm. I can see that they have a lead late and they're running. A, Running it, I can see, I can see the story that gets there, and I and the, so the odds are long enough that I think I would take that. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. If I play that game and I don't like laying ten points, I don't like laying ten points in week two, et cetera, et cetera. If I take it, I'm going to go for the score a little bit, get the bigger payout along the way, and have a little more fun. If the game is out of hand, sitting there saying, "Hand off, hand off again, hand off again," and 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 get that kind of action. So 
That's what I'm leaning for. Again, it would be A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones combining 200 scrimmage yards and a straight-up Packers win. You don't have to worry about that spread. So that's my kind of play. Yeah, it'd be different if, if like you know, if any of the Packers receivers had looked like they, you know, they were they were ready to burst anything out last week, but they didn't. Yes. All right, is Aaron uh, anywhere? He is back. I am back, and hopefully my audio is good. You are good at the moment. Your audio is better than it's ever been. You look a little bit like an anime ghost in on the screen, but your audio is pristine. Hi, welcome to my living room. Uh, <laughs> Looks like I'm a beautiful, beautiful living room. Got the ceiling fan. You got all that light coming in in the back you're back backlit like when my wife tries to take a picture of the kids uh, uh, at the pool it's beautiful yeah we're gonna have to play around with this if we have to do the shows from here in the future but we'll see uh all right let's let's talk a little bit about monday night football before we finish out let's just monday night football double header i know which game you'll be watching mike here's my question for you brian after Minnesota, so it starts with Tennessee Buffalo on ESPN at seven fifteen, and then Minnesota Philadelphia starts on ESP on ABC at eight thirty. Will you switch over, or will you stay with Buffalo Tennessee? Assume uh, Buffalo Tennessee is is a, is a close game. Uh, the the actual answer is I'm going to be flipping between them at the commercial breaks because I'm going to get as much of them as I can. But yeah, I'm going to have Minnesota at Philadelphia as my primary one, the one that I'm going to go on to if they're both go, both playing at the same time. Uh, we, we have them as two of the top teams in the NFC. I really like their matchup, and I want to know more about them because they are two teams that have projected high who didn't, haven't necessarily lived up to that in the past, so I want to see as much as I can from them. I think Buffalo is going to handle Tennessee fairly handily, so even if it's still close after the hour or so, I still think going to Minnesota and Philadelphia is going to be the right call yeah. if I'm looking for a competitive game throughout. And betters clearly think Buffalo is going to handle Tennessee yeah. because the fact is minus 10 yes. is a huge line considering that Tennessee was a playoff, like not just a playoff team, but a number one seed. Like we all know what DVOA says, and we all know that the projections for them got even worse after Harold Landry went out for the season. But minus 10 just seems like a colossal line, no matter how good Buffalo is. And, you know, Buffalo is the best team in the league. Well, Buffalo looked great, and Tennessee lost to the Giants. Even if they shouldn't have, according to our post-game win expectancy, and whatnot, they they did lose. That that did happen. Yeah, yeah. They, they had no. It was it was a rough game. They were out physical by the Giants. Mm-hmm. They were out physical. I, I I think it was quicker, harder hitting Giants team. A lot of that could be hey, it's Week One, and we're coming out there, and they both got us all worked up, and like we're all young and hungry or whatever. The outside game with Woods and Burks is what you think it was. You know, it was kind of that bad. Mm-hmm. The pass rush was kind of okay, but you're facing like rookie linemen and linemen I've never heard of, et cetera. And it wasn't really good in crunch time there. So I think that I think the Titans, there's real reason to be skeptical of skeptical of the Titans. And like you said, the Bills are who they th- we think they are, and they should be able to take care of this game. Right. And uh our checkers pie points out by our priors in football yes. outsiders' projections, certainly, but anybody's projections actually. The Titans are not as good as the Rams, and the Rams were eviscerated by the Bills at home, and this game is in Buffalo. Yeah. This could be like – the Bills could be like on this adrenalized team with a mission thing that you'll sometimes see a team coming out like, this is our year, and just like going out there, and and eventually it wears off. But for a couple of weeks, just like bang, bang, bang. And now they got a long rest coming into Monday night, et cetera. Another reason to think that they, they're going to come in really fresh and really ready if they're trying to prove a point, to prove it to a team that – Surprised them on a in a night game last year. Yeah, there's a bit of revenge that is going on here. Like the very part of the schedule. Oh, we could have beaten the Rams, so we're going to prove that by putting up a million points on them. Oh, the Titans <laughs> beat us last year. We're going to prove yeah. that we're better than them by putting up a million points on them. You have the you have that early season. Like, yeah, we got we we deserve. We were the real champions last year. We deserve to be there. We're going to show it right here in September, and that's going to wear off by the end of the year. But at the right. moment, I I would not want to play the Bills this week. <laughs> I don't want to do anything, honestly. No. And you don't have to watch them because you're going to have the Jalen Hurts experience. And you're going to see is he going to run the ball 17 times again? Is he going to complete any passes over the middle of the field? Oh, he'll complete a couple of them now, but not as many as you'd want him to. And will the Eagles defense adjust in any way or will it be good for one half and absolutely terrible for the first and fourth quarters? And we've got the Vikings being the Vikings, just sort of, you know, going out and doing what they've been doing for the last seven years. Yeah, what happened to the Eagles' defense in Week One? Yeah, it was bad. They beginning of the game, the 
the Lions came out of the tunnel like Dan Campbell was behind them with a flamethrower. Just they came out there ready to clobber everything in sight. And the Eagles in the first quarter were a mess. Looked like they were playing like with, with, with lead in their shoes. Then everything stabilized. And then they stopped rushing Jared Goff. They started sitting back more. I think they had like a they had a two-score lead for a lot of that game. And they sat back and sat back. You you blitz Jared Goff. That's what you do. You blitz Jared Goff, but they were sitting back and they were allowing gash runs. Um, and they were allowing passes underneath, and they just let the Lions live, let the Lions live, let the Lions live there. And that's one of the things about this Eagles coaching staff. Sometimes there's like this mental brownout, either on offense or defense, where it's like, where did that game plan come from? And you don't necessarily have an answer to it. Yeah, they come away with it at the end. But in the middle of that, they're rushing Goff. Goff is rushing passes. You're getting pick sixes. You're getting mistakes along the way. You're getting three and outs. And that's that got the Eagles offense able to do its – running and scrambling and we'll find AJ Brown now and then game plan going. So with the Eagles minus two, are we all thinking Eagles? Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take the Eagles minus two. Uh, I, I, I still believe in our projections and the offense looked absolutely, absolutely fantastic against the Lions. And I, I'll, I'll assume the defense stuff they will they will they will figure out here. I, right. I mean, Dan Campbell's team always has been, Dan Campbell's team has been a puncher for the last two years. It's, they'll they'll come back in the fourth quarter against anybody. So I will I will I'll trust the Eagles. I trust the Eagles enough. <laughs> trust the Eagles. Although remember, every Eagles fan when it's a Vikings night game, we're anticipating the worst. People remember the Tuesday night football game in the mm-hmm. snow and uh, who was it? Joe Webb. Yeah, and all this other chaos, but I'm I'm trusting the Eagles. Uh, Hitchhiker's Pie asks: Has there ever been another team that felt as much like wild card playoff loss or bust as much as these Vikings? Yes, last year's Vikings. Last year's the year before Vikings. (laughs) Last year's Patriots felt like that. I think that was. You're right. The champions um, of mediocrity, the Minnesota Vikings. Like, look, we got Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. This is this is like even when they were having their huge wins in the regular season, it was like, okay, but you're going to go and play Buffalo in the playoffs, and they're going to beat you. So, yeah. there you go. right. Uh, all right, that does it for our uh, live from two different places Thursday shots and Tanier show. Thank you all for bearing with me and my technical problems. Thank you all for watching the show live and being part of the uh, discussion. And as useful title says, I just want to see more Jordan Davis and less Marlon Pultlatu. Yes. Yep, yep. I'm not sure what that was about either. Maybe they're limiting Davis's snaps early. Whatever. You're right, useful title. Good call. Uh, so don't forget to check out Underdog Fantasy and use the football code, uh, the uh, the promo code Outsiders to double your first deposit up to $100. Don't forget to check out Football Outsiders live streams every day at 1 o'clock Eastern, tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern, the film show with Derek Klassen and Kale Clinton. And uh, Mike will be back Monday at one o'clock to break down the weekend. I'll be back with Brian Tuesday at one o'clock, probably from my living room to uh, figure out uh, what happened in week two of the NFL. And uh, thank you again all for watching and have a good weekend. Join us on the Discord. (laughs) Tonight, I'll be there. Discord tonight, folks. Yes, join us on the Discord tonight. Link is uh, below the chat. Thanks.